I suffer from erectile dysfunction bumper sticker. <laughs> I have both, but... Welcome to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. In this weekly podcast, Kirby and Bill talk about the world of marketing, branding, and promotional products. Unscripted is available only at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry. Now, here's Kirby and Bill. And welcome to episode number 138 of Unscripted. I am your co-host, Bill Petrie. With me, as always, the staff sergeant of selling strategies, the one and only Dr. Kirby Hossman. Kirby? How the hell are you today? I am doing well. I'm, you know, kind of kind of slogging through what I consider to be one of the worst months is February in Ohio. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, no, things are good. Just trying to trying to keep things rolling. How about you? Things are good. And I know how much you loathe the month of February, that it's just <laughs> for you the most depressing month. So yep. um, we're halfway through. So I think you can power through. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know what can also help you power through, Kirby? What's that, Bill? That'd be the good people of Common Skew and their brand new Common Skew sessions. We talked about this a couple mm. weeks ago. I think everybody knows that Common Skew is makers of that game-changing software for your distributor business. But did you know, and I think you do, Kirby, they also host some of the best educational networking events in the promo industry. Of they course you do. absolutely do, yes. Go ahead. Absolutely. And this spring, they're kicking off a new multi-city sales conference for distributors called Common Skew Sessions. And what I love about this, Kirby, each session is designed to cover the sales funnel from attracting new business to converting them all the way through uh, customer retention and optimizing that relationship. So from soup to nuts, they're going to show you how to really build and grow your business. Yeah, it's one of the things about the the team at Common Skews. They really do think through the process of selling better than most places. And the idea that they would design a conference that way is not surprising at all when you think it out. And it's like, oh, that's genius. Uh, it really, really is. They're going to be heading out to Dallas, Chicago, Los Angeles, and New York, New York. The town's so nice, they named it twice. If you want to learn how you can amp up your sales and up your game and get your tickets, go ahead and head over to CommonSkewSessions.com. Go ahead and plunk that money down. You're not going to be sorry that you did. Absolutely. Good stuff. Yes, it absolutely is. Kirby, are you ready to record at a balsa wood level today? <laughs> I am. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm wearing the t-shirt, my friend. I, I am going to post that here shortly <laughs> uh, as, as a teaser for this broadcast. So I'm glad you're wearing your t-shirt. I'm wearing mine as well. So uh, there we go. Yeah. Kirby, uh, why don't you go ahead and start us off with the topic this morning? Okay, cool. Um, I want to uh, dig into a, a topic that I'm not sure where it's going to go. It may be controversial, maybe not. Uh-oh. Uh, um, no. It, it, so I want to talk about the value of critics and criticism and feedback. Okay. Uh, um, I have historically been of the mindset that, man, I want feedback. I want people to tell me what I'm doing well, what I'm doing wrong, mm -hmm. so that I can continually get better. Right. Um, and I think that most people would say that. Right. But I'm, I'm struggling with our culture of feedback right now. Okay. Everybody has an opinion. and Yes, they do. And often I don't find them. It's, it's not that I'm anti-hearing the opinion. It's just that it's not helpful. And I'm reminded of what Seth Godin said when he talked about, I've never become a better writer by reading mm -hmm. a one-star review. Right. right. And and I was when I first read that, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't understand it. But I was going through some of the feedback from the PPAI sessions that um, I did. Mm -hmm. And there's some really interesting feedback. And quite frankly, a lot of it was really, really positive and telling mm -hmm. me how great I am. Right. 
honestly, it makes me feel good. I'm not mm-hmm. sure it makes me a better speaker. Um, right. and, and then you've got somebody who is, uh, you know, one of the critiques is that um, I was wearing faded jeans and that the standards of, of professional appearance has gone way downhill. Mm-hmm. It's not that I, it's fine. They're totally welcome to that opinion. And frankly, it doesn't upset me, but I don't think it makes me a better speaker. Right. And so I'm struggling with the idea of does critiques, does feedback really help you get better? Um, I think it can, um, but I think it's also how it's presented sure. and really what the focus is. So um, I got my speaker um, feedback as well from PPAI mm-hmm. from Expo and generally it was very positive. And, and so like you, I, I read through it because at the end of every, every time I talk, when people are filling out their evaluations, I ask them, I said, please, I always say, please be honest when you're filling out your evaluations. It's the only way I get better. I actually do read the comments. I mm-hmm. actually make it a point of, of, for lack of a better term, inviting them to criticize me. Right, right, right. Because I think people are generally nice. And people don't want to really hurt your feelings. Of course, you're going to have the couple of people that really enjoy criticizing others <laughs> just for the sake of it. Sure. But for the most part, people want to be nice. Um, and I have gotten some, some decent feedback in the past that have helped me become a better speaker. But telling me that I'm wearing faded jeans or um, my fly was undone or whatever the case <laughs> that may be. That would have been helpful in advance. <laughs> that would have been helpful. You got that right. Um but that that's not super helpful criticism. I, I always find, and, and I try to be very open to criticism just in life. I, I don't know everything. I don't know what I'm doing all the time. Um, and, and I don't, I welcome criticism as long as it's constructive. Right. Uh, as long as it's not nitpicky. Like someone who criticized your wardrobe attire, uh, your wardrobe choice for, for expo speaking, that you're right. That's not going to help you. And all right. it does is actually it makes you feel shitty and right. self conscious. And oh my gosh, you know, did I look slovenly or whatever? I didn't. I looked I, you, fantastic. By the way, you didn't. I saw you. <laughs> you looked hot. Um, Thank you. Yeah, you know, but I want stuff. You know what I I want when I want when I speak or when I do anything. I want criticism on the content. I want criticism on maybe my delivery. Right? Um, hey. You move too fast through the slides, right. or your slides didn't make any sense. Like I'll give you an example. I got a criticism of uh, on mine. The, I got two criticisms, and and one was um, that I talked a little fast. Okay, sure, fair enough. Okay. Um, and one was that I needed to proofread my slides because there were many misspellings. Which is bizarre because if anybody who's ever seen me speak yes, realizes, right. I don't use words in my do- in my decks at all. That's all <laughs> pictures, so that wasn't super helpful. Yeah, um, I think that might have been intended for somebody else. Which yeah, fine, um, but the point is, I, you know, I want good feedback, I want bad feedback, but I want accurate feedback. So I don't mind criticism, but not just for the sake of criticizing somebody. Yeah. Critic, you know. So I, I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, no, or you, not. you to- no, you totally did. And I think you talked about um, what it's about, sort of the tone of it, and whether those are the ways that you judge whether feedback is helpful. I actually, I'll be honest with you, I also judge on who it's from. Mm-hmm. Um, and not, and, and by the way, I'm going off. This is I use PPI as an example. I actually mm-hmm. really enjoyed that feedback, and so it's not a knock on that. This is critiques in general, right? And I think mm-hmm. one of the things that I always 
come from where I'm like, oh, if this is someone who is, let's just say, a content creator who consistently does video or consistently does blogging and they have right. some feedback on what I'm doing, man, I want to hear that, right? Exactly. Um, like I always joke that if, if Casey Neistat ever had the time or inclination to tell me what, I, what he thought of my videos, I would sit with rapt attention. Sure, because right? he's done it. Exactly, and better than me. Right. Um, but I think that so many times the voice of the critic comes from someone who sort of philosophically knows what to do but has never done it. Yeah. And the, I, I, I struggle to try and go, well, there's a grain of truth in that, but I also discredit it a bit. And maybe I'm wrong there. I don't think so. Right. Um, I think if you really look at... I think if you really look at what a criticism should be, mm-hmm. it really should come from a place of, of one of two places. One, you're a consumer, and so maybe the content doesn't strike you. That's right. fine. Yep. The other perspective is that of the technical aspect of it. Your podcast sounds like shit, um, <laughs> or you know the the video is tilted weird, or I think you can do better if you shot it this way. Right. I only want that type of, of commentary for the most part from people who do it. Right. So I think there's a segment of, of critique and comment I want from people who are just consumers, which is totally fine, right? Yeah. But there's also critique I want from people who do it, like you're saying, like a Casey Neistat or a Seth Godin or a Kirby Hossaman or whomever is, is also producing content that might say, hey, you know, I noticed on your podcast you do this. Or have you tried this program for the podcast or, or whatever? That means a lot more to me than just someone saying, I don't like the sound of your podcast. Yeah, but on the other side, again, I guess I'm, I'm struggling because I remember early on in this podcast, people came to us and said, look, Bill's volume is not where – um, Kirby's is, and it's hard to listen to. Well, that yeah. was valuable. Right? Yeah, absolutely. That, <laughs> that, that you're 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 right. You're picking one thing out. I'm talking more. You're right. You're right. Yeah, so. but 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 the point is, it's like I think part of that was the tone. They're like, "Hey, I'm a fan, but this is something I'm struggling with. Can you make this better?" Okay, yeah, absolutely. But I don't know. I like it. I think that so much of a critique today is um, anonymous and not particularly helpful. I, one of the things I think about is, you know who I've never seen write a one-star rev- Amazon review about a book? Mm-hmm. Seth Godin. Yep. Like, he doesn't have time, and he knows how hard it is. Right. <laughs> like, And so that's the part that I guess I'm just struggling with right So now. maybe what you're really getting at is it's the people who don't create anything, whether right. it's exactly the type of thing you're creating or they just they just like to criticize. Yeah, I don't want to hear that either. Yeah. You know, there, there is a cottage industry of people who just like to complain and bitch and moan and criticize. I've got no time for those people. And that criticism has no validity. Right. Uh, a Brett Schaefer, for example, and I'll just pick on Brett, if he'd said, uh, you know, hey, I don't like the way the podcast sounds, that would have validity because I know he listens every week. Right, right. Now, same thing with uh, Kevin Flynn. Kevin Flynn from TBK Promotions in Chicago, good friend. He was struggling with how the levels were, and he helped us out, honestly, just with honest feedback. So there is good feedback there. I think what I was really more getting to, I don't like the feedback from people who just sit there, love to bitch and moan and complain about everything. Um, that has no validity to me at all, and I am I roundly ignore that. Yeah, and happy, to, and, and I'm happy to do it. 
Yeah, it's one of those things where I always say that there's a percentage of people who are pissed off if they can't find something to be mad about. Yep, no, I, I, I say the same thing, different way. There's just a group of people who aren't happy unless they're a little bit unhappy. <laughs> I love it. Cool. All right, Kirby, so I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about um, something I don't think we've really actually talked about on the podcast before, so roll with me here for a second. Okay. As a distributor, you know, one of the, one of the great things you're able to do, and it's really the way our industry is built, um, is that you're able to set your own margins. You, you buy product from suppliers. You get it decorated. Sometimes a supplier does it. Sometimes a third-party decorator does it. And then you're able to sell at whatever margin you want to sell. I mean, right. that, that is your free choice as a distributor. What I wanted to know, and I, I want to know where, how you calculate fair margin. Mm. I'm not talking about, no, we don't need to get into numbers. I want to talk about what your thought process is, um, knowing that you are very focused on being profitable first, which sure. as every business should be, right? And I, how, where's the line between profit and gouging? And mm. what got me thinking about this, Kirby, was, um, I was I was traveling last week, and I had to use Uber a couple times, which I always like to use. And the surge pricing was off the charts. Like what would normally have been a $5 ride because of surge pricing during rush hour was $29, which wow. to me felt like a gouge. And it's like, screw it. I'm, I'll, I'll wait. I'll have a beer and wait or I'll walk or whatever. So from a distributor's perspective, and I can chime in on this too, but I'd really like your thought on how you calculate what you believe to be a fair margin. Okay, and you don't want me to get into numbers. It's up to you. I, I don't want to put you on the spot of giving numbers. No, it's fine. You are more than welcome to. I just don't want to say, hey, you need to give numbers in case any of your clients listen to this podcast. Yeah, I have no, no idea. No, that's fair. Well, I think what I would say about whether my clients listen to this podcast or not, I think you know this about me. I am a believer in transparency. Yes. And the idea that my client would listen to this and then think, well, Kirby does all this shit for free, right? No, I don't like, mean that. Uh, well, but, but, they might you, think... but they would think I would make money. It's of course. It's the, the point of the exercise. Otherwise, why are we doing this? So um, what I would say is a couple factors, right? Obviously, the relationship with the client and the level of service that um, – come into it is a part of it. The right. situation is a part of it. So like, for example, if um, I am working with a client, I have given them virtual specs, I've gotten samples in, I've, you know, I've given them the attention, I've come up with the ideas, my margins go up then, right? Right. Um, if they come to me with the ideas, right? Hey, I've got this specific pen, I want this quantity, I want this, like they've done all the homework. My guess is I'm probably in a competitive situation, I'm probably going to skew to what I'd call the left side of the margin scale, right? Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be more competitive in that way because frankly, I haven't spent very much time. And then the other thing, other than market value, you know, you kind of know what the marketplace is, right? A specific uh, vacuum tumbler goes for, right. right? And then really it's sniff test. Um, mm -hmm. I actually, it's funny, Bill, I had this conversation um, with Josh yesterday working on a print project. Mm -hmm. It's, it was a, it's like a 36 page book. So it's a pretty big size book. We're sure. going through the project margin, what our cost is, what our markup is. And literally at the end, it came down to the sniff test, mm -hmm. right? I'm like, well, this is how much it's going to be. It's going to be, you know, I forget what it was, but let's say yep. 250, $2.50, $2.80, something like that. And I was like, you know, I kind of was like, sniff test. That smells right. Yeah, I that do the same. Right. <laughs> I do the same thing. Does it pass the red face test? Can I yeah. stand in front of somebody and say this is how much it costs? Yeah, and I don't like blush. And it's funny because 
especially, and you, again, I think you'll appreciate this, and I think that um, our, our audience will, when I first got into the print piece, and it's still very new for us, right? Like, I feel very confident pricing a vacuum tumbler anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. But with print, it was so new to me that I bet the first 10 to 15 quotes, mm-hmm. I actually almost insisted I go and give it face-to-face. Right. Because I wanted to see their unedited reaction to, hey, it's going to be a dollar or right. whatever, you know? So, yeah, I think that's a, a little bit of that. There's an art and a science to, to yeah. pricing. There is, and I think you hit on something. I, I, I um, would always tell clients, and I still do to this day, um, obviously, you know, let's be honest, I, I'm here to make money, but I want to make sure the money that you feel you spend at the end of the transaction, you walk away thinking, man, I got a hell of a deal. Right. But make no mistake, I am making money on this. Yeah, because, of it, And so I think, you know, it's one of those things uh, I think it really tends to disarm people because, you know, no one likes talking price. Right. I never mind talking price. It's honest. It's what we do. Right, yeah. exactly. Do, do you, like you said, do you think I'm doing this for free? I mean <laughs> – uh, Amy's got pretty expensive taste, you gotta, <laughs> right? You gotta, you gotta keep her happy. Clearly, <laughs> but I think, I think as you, I, I, I do very much what you do. Does it pass the red face test? I, you, you sniff test. Um, does it pass the red face test? Is what I always use. And I think in terms of, I'm asking someone to spend X, and are they gonna, like I said, are they gonna walk away from that transaction feeling like they got a really good? deal. And I think about that all the time. Every time I set margins for what we do here at Promo Corner, what what I did as a distributor. So I I love your take on that. And so that's that's good stuff, Kirby. The other the other thing, if I can, is I always like to know who I'm dealing with, right? Sure. So if you're dealing with the entrepreneur, if you're dealing with the I think we always deal we often deal with our prospects or customers as if they're spending their money. And I think it's important to know whether they're spending their money or they're spending somebody else's money. Agreed. Because if they're spending somebody else's money, they like, they don't really care how much it costs. They no. care that they're going to look good in front of their boss. Correct. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's a different conversation. Right. And you touched on this too. It also does factor in, especially with from you, what you do, the complexity of the order or right. the complexity of the sale. Let's just leave it at that. The complexity of the sale or uh, and also the difficulty of the client. Right. Yes. That factors in too, because I will tell you, um, I think it's okay to charge a difficult client a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, because again, I do a lot of things based on time. How much time oh, is yeah. it going to take me to do this stuff? And if it's a difficult client, they may end up paying a little bit more. Totally. Totally. Cool. You got another topic for us? I do. Um, I think I'm going to go with the power of engagement. In social and content. Oh gosh, golly, what a topic! Yeah, so I, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I have this conversation a lot, and I think it's it's worthy of a topic here because I think not everybody either understands it or lives it. Is you know, you and I talk about content creation a lot. We're believers mm-hmm. in the creation of content and the consist, consistent creation of content. Yep. But one of the things that I think is undersold when it comes to building a social media following and building a a social media sort of client base is the power of kind of engagement and like the power of the like, the power of the comment, the power of the share. Because I talk about it all the time that we all have that voice and the voice that tells us we're not smart enough, good enough, whatever. And it's like our, our clients have that voice too. And I think people think, well, if I don't share it, that's not, I'm not helping. 
Right. And I think you and I both know that that's not true. It's, you know, any engagement is good engagement and it helps to create the relationship. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately and I wanted to sort of get your take on it. And honestly, almost like maybe go back in the Wayback Machine and talk about how you and I reconnected a little bit Mm -hmm. through this exact thing. Yeah. Where we were both creating content and engaging with that content sort of reconnected our relationship. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, we we reconnected. What was it, two thousand fourteen? Don't make me do the math, man. I think it was two thousand fourteen. <laughs> um, we hadn't talked in probably eight, nine, ten years, and right. I was on on Facebook, and I was at very much a career crossroads. I had left. Um, I, I had had a quick cup of coffee at uh, Goldner Promotions. Right. And um, it just wasn't a great situation for both them and me. I have no, no ill will toward that group. Great, right. great bunch of guys. It just it just wasn't a good fit. I wasn't happy. And I think it'd be safe to say they weren't super happy with me either. <laughs> and I um, I decided to start Brandivate and right. uh, kind of go on on my own and really kind of figure out what I wanted to do. And I was on social media, and I'd seen – you, I think we were friends on social, but I'm not even sure we were that, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I, but I think I saw a post of the second or third episode of Delivering Marketing Joy. Right. And I reached out to you and said, and I watched it, and I thought, mm-hmm. wow, that's a genius idea. Pretty simple format. Three questions to them, one question to Kirby. Um, very conversational, very easy to digest, right? Consumable. I love that, con- that term, very consumable. Yep. And I reached out to you and I just said, hey, I think you're doing a great job. Um, I, you know, We haven't talked in a long time. Um, and I think that meant a lot to you. I right. think. I, I can't answer for you, but I think that meant something to you that I, after all those years, with, you know, and, you know, it was one of those things, I can't remember why we were so pissed off at each other, but, <laughs> you know, you, you have this, like, blood feud, and it's like, I don't even know why I'm pissed off, but I'm still pissed off. Don't make any mistake about it. I'm still pissed. It was my uh, fault. <laughs> it was actually, we, I, we've dissected it. It's both yeah. our faults, um, but certainly more yours. But anyway, <laughs> we, 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 the power of social media did allow us to connect because I chose to engage. Right. I could have sat there and just liked it, Mm-hmm. And not done anything. And so I think we've talked about this before. And I'm actually about to do it again. And, and I like doing it right around Lent. It just is a nice 40-day period. But I go through a phase on social media that if I like something, I have to comment. Because it's so easy to go through your Facebook feed or your Instagram feed or your LinkedIn feed or whatever and just like stuff. Right. And to me, that's meaningless. Right. I mean, likes are great, but I, I love when people engage, and I think it's more meaningful when people engage. Yeah, and I, I think for me, it's it's one of those pieces where it's consistency over time, right? If you see something and, and someone is consistently engaging, and by the way, I actually think like, comment, you know, whatever it moves you to do when you are consistently engaging with someone and their con- content, it makes them feel good. And so, you know, it's one of, and and you know the drill, Facebook's changing their algorithm on such a regular basis that sometimes a like means more than a comment in the algorithm. Right. And so that's why it's like, okay, just jump in and sort of engage. It's a way for you to build relationships without having, like your move was was pro level, right? And so kudos. But on the other side, it's like, ah, gosh, there's power in the power of the wink. Right? Right. Yeah, Gary V talks about it. It's like there's power in just going, hey, I see you there. Nice job. 
<laughs> whatever. Mm-hmm. And and I think over time that helps to build a relationship. And so I just wanted to touch on that. No, good good stuff. Um, I, I think it's a good topic. Cool. Um, cool stuff. All right. What do we got here time-wise? I'm not even paying attention. Oh, we're doing good. Let's do a quick one real quick. Okay. Um, it's, this has been bothering me. We talked about this before. Why do you think our industry is so damn resistant to change? Seriously, <laughs> just as a whole. And why are we so resistant to change? Fear. Would be Excellent. My, yeah, that would be my first uh, reaction is I feel like we've built up walls mm-hmm. of non-transparency and everybody's right. afraid that we're going to see the guy behind the curtain. Yep. And um, that they and, and the, the fear and insecurity of it is, is that I don't bring any other value other than I know the secrets. Right. right? And so I honestly, if, if you want to know why I think uh, our industry is resistant to change, uh, I definitely think it is fear. I think it's fear. I do agree it's fear, but I also think it's complacency. Mm, um, yeah. it, there's, a, there's such a high segment of complacency in our industry. And I say this a lot in the talks. And we, we get very we're, – we're, we're creatures of habit. I mean, humans are creatures of habit anyway. Right. But for whatever reason, this industry breeds this very almost militant – um, clinging on to habits. And I even say this in my talks, you know, you know, you want to be different. We all talk about being different, but yet all of you guys do the same thing. And I could say in the middle of a talk right now, there's 250 people in here. Um, I set up some free Starbucks. Let's take 10 minutes. Everybody go get yourself a nice cup of coffee and come on back. Every single one of you would sit in the exact same seat you're in right now. <laughs> because that's the way you're wired. And, and by you, the way, you'd be annoyed if someone was sitting there. <laughs> If it was someone <laughs> sitting in your seat, yeah, yeah, yeah I'd be like, "What are you doing? You're 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 out of order. This isn't how you know." It's like all of a sudden there's chaos. Yeah. But you know, we are creatures of habit, and so I think we get so complacent. That's how things. You know, there's no industry. There's two industries in the world that cling onto the phrase because that's the way we've always done it, and it's the promotional products industry and religion. Those are the two <laughs> things in the world. That's the way we've always done it. Yeah, well, the reality of it is those are two industries that have the power to affect human behavior. So it, go, it goes without saying they'd be together. Uh, there you go. All right, Kirby. <laughs> you know who else who brings people together, Kirby? Who's that, Bill? Oh, that would be the good, good, good goods at Gold Star. I don't know if you know this, Kirby. I'm going to assume that you don't. You know, they carry the top product, product categories for all promo products. They're not just writing instruments. Really? No. They have, obviously... <laughs> No, no. Um, they have, you know, we know that 89% of computers own writing instruments, right? That's right. the best promo opportunity there is. But you know what? They also have wonderful drinkware and stationery and so many other products that you really need to, to go check out at Gold Star, right? Yep. They do such a great job with all the things they do. They have all the on-trend, on-demand styles that are going to make your clients go, wow, wow. Can you wow. say wow, Kirby, for me? That was very impressive. I don't know that I can say it quite as loud. Come on. Give me a wow for Gold Star. Wow. There you go. Why would you leave a business card or, 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 or something like that when you can create a business card or a promo writing instrument that can be used and shared? They have those free full-color design backgrounds for their simple-color writing instruments, their drinkware, their stationery. They've got great bags that are going to carry a branded message. They've got that full USA-made, full drinkware line Ready to impress. The list goes on and on. We don't have time to go over the list right here. That's 
I don't have time to go through this list, Kirby. It's a big list. It's a big list. So why don't you just go ahead. Let's just stop the silliness right now. Stop right now. Hit pause on your podcast player. And go ahead and sign up for a free Simplicity Starter Kit online at goldstarpens.com slash unscripted. And let's get to branding, folks. Love it. Love All right, it. Kirby. Do you have a theme for fill in the blank? I do. I do. You ready for it? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm ready. Content creators and consumption outside of promo corner. Okay. All right. <laughs> ready? I, oh, buddy. I'm ready. All right. So outside of promo corner, your yep. favorite podcast anywhere is? <sighs> Man, this is embarrassing. <laughs> um, so my favorite podcast is the Get It On podcast, and that is not a sexual reference, folks. <laughs> Um, so as a as a youth, um, I used to listen to Loveline. If you remember that radio show with Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew Pinsky, wow. they would spend two hours talking to misguided teenagers about their uh, issues, uh, their their romantic issues, let's call it. Um, and there's a guy who is, he calls himself Superfan Giovanni. And he is archiving all of these old Loveline episodes, and they're commercial-free. And when I just am driving or, like, I'm falling asleep or something like that, it's so pleasant and and enjoyable to listen to. So I'm embarrassed to admit that. I'm sure I'm going to catch all sorts of shit for admitting that. But (laughs) you asked the question. There it is. I love it. That's so funny. Kirby, we have a theme, too, over here. The theme is sales. Okay. Just sales, generic sales, Kirby. Okay. Blank was your first job in sales. Well, we are all in sales. Uh, right. Well, what do you consider your first job, though, in sales? Yeah, I mean, I started my first business when I was like nine years old. I'm going to discount that. Mm-hmm. So I would say my first job in sales was actually probably in the promo industry. Okay. I did uh, sort of what I would call a pseudo internship sort of uh-huh. when I was like 18 or 19. My dad was with uh, Shaw Barton at the time. And uh-huh. so he kind of went through the whole sales training process with me. Yep. I didn't realize I was too young and dumb to understand it all. Mm-hmm. But that was a super interesting process to watch him do his thing. Um, and then kind of realize it wasn't as easy as I thought. So awesome. That's probably, yeah. Very cool. cool. All right. So outside of Promo Corner, yep. your favorite video create creator is? Um, and I'm going to say this, and all, all truth is Kirby Hossaman. Um, I'll be very <laughs> – no, it, it's true. Actually, it's something um, I admire – deeply what you have built um you know i love the day in the life i love the week in the life i I certainly love delivering marketing joy and i think more than anything i love the the two things i love about the video you video content you create kirby it's it's consumable we talked about that a little bit earlier um it's it's easily accessible it makes me feel uh, comfortable watching it i really like watching what you do and it's very transparent, so I guess there's three things. A lot of transparency. I know you well enough, and I'm watching you. Mm. And I love – so I think – and I think you create great content. Again, you said outside of Promo Corner, so I'm an- answering it outside of Promo Corner. Well, I, thank you. That was not, I did not mean to throw up a softball for a compliment, but thank you. I appreciate it, buddy. Whatever. All right, <laughs> Kirby, the product and service you've sold before, but you will never, ever sell again is blank. The product or service that I've sold before that I've never that I would never sell again. Um, 
Yeah, I I can't think of anything. And, and the reality of it is, is I've the the things I've sold in the past. I think that I've believed in at the time. I don't think that there have been ever, any time where from an ethical issue right. that I had any problem. I, I, I guess if I would go back to right this minute, my thought would be I worked in radio and so I was on air, but there's some level of sales there. I'm, I, I, would, I don't think I would ever go back to the radio industry outside of podcasting and stuff like that. So I would say radio would be, I guess, the closest thing. But, but okay. you know, that there's nothing, let's put it this way, there's nothing I've done that I'm that embarrassed about uh, being in business by. All right, good enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, more content creation uh, outside of Promo Corner. Your favorite blog writer is? Um, I happen to really like, uh, the easy one is Seth Godin, right? Right, The easy one is Seth Godin. I'm going to go a little different here, and I'll say uh, Bobby Lehew. Ooh. Yeah, he, that's a good he, one. He and I have a wonderful conversations. Um, really love talking to Bobby, and he, he's such an elegant and thoughtful and introspective person. Um, and he's got those eyes that just stare right through your soul when he's talking <laughs> to you, and you're you know like, what. Um, but Bobby, Bobby's also very very much a realist, and we've had some really great conversations. I could never write the way Bobby writes. I, I could never create the way Bobby creates. He, his he has an elegant use of language that I I I can approach, but I'll never even come close to achieving. I kind of start going that direction. He just has a very elegant way of of using words that I just I just don't. And so I really admire the way he writes. So I, I and, and so beyond just the content, the 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 level of intelligence he provides in terms of here's how to sell more or here's how to market yourself. To me, it's the very elegant way he he creates words and uses phrases to help make his point. So I'm going to say Bobby Leahy. He has the best words. I love it. He okay, does. cool. Kirby, the customer or customer type that is the most difficult to sell to is blank. Uh, the maybe. Um, maybe. So the, the wishy-washy. Mm-hmm. Like I, early on, it was actually I, I dabbled in a direct marketing um, thing at one point, um, kind of multi-level marketing. And the best thing that ever came out of this was a lesson that I learned where they said that no's are fine, yeses are great, maybes will kill you. And those are, those, that is so true. You know, those people, like, the people who tell you, you know, when you go in, you're like, here's an idea, here's an idea, and they're like, that sucks, that sucks, that sucks. I'm like, I love those people, because I think they're easy to please. Right. It's it's the person who's like, oh, well, you know, maybe, like, oh, God, just tell me yes or no, and let's move on. So that's, for me, that's 100%. Yeah, no, that's, that's, I think that's the best answer you could give. Cool. Last one. Final one. Um, your favorite writer of books is? Um, I'm going to go Stephen King. He yeah. unfortunately is maligned as a hack um, and as a kind of a mass market appeal guy. Again, uh, not by anybody who's ever done it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, he, he – he writes so many different varied styles. Yes, there's the horror component, and he's sort of known for that. But if you've ever read Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three, that's a great book. I mean, and there's so many wonderful, wonderful, wonderful books he writes, um, and and I think he is amazingly talented. And I, I, he's someone from a non or from from a fiction perspective, I can just get lost. Yeah. Just get lost. That's a good one. All right, Kirby, last one. Blank is the one sale you always remember as your best sale. 
Mm. So um, I had just decided to um, leave a larger organization, left Halo, and again, on a, a good note, have a great relationship with them. Yep. But, but whenever you leave something like that, you're very afraid. It's like, oh my gosh, can I really do this? And can I sustain it? And can whatever? And one of my largest clients at the time um, was Smuckers. Mm-hmm. And they called and within about a month or two, placed, um, I want to say it was about a 40 or $50,000 order, like mm-hmm. two months in. Yeah. And then, and literally they, they, they were like, Hey, remember that quote you gave us a long time ago? Yeah. Okay. We want to do a hundred thousand of them. Mm-hmm. And it was on a great margin. Cause I didn't think they'd do it. And they're like, and Hey, our budget year's coming up. Can we pay in advance? <laughs> that is <laughs> one like, I'd remember too. I was like, um, I think this is going to work out. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that one's pretty clear. That's awesome. All right, Kirby, are you ready to do some rapid fire? I will do my best. All right, so I really need you to focus on this one today, okay? Okay, I'll try. So this is, since I kind of felt, you know, sales was my theme today as I wanted to chat with you. These are all strange things that are for sale on eBay. (laughs) Oh, God. Every single one of them is real. They are for sale. Go ahead and go into eBay and type it in their search engine. Sure. And I want you to think of these in terms of which would you rather sell to support your family. Okay. Okay? So I'm going to give you a choice, one or the other. There's no wrong answer. Just pick one or the other and no need for comment. Are you ready, sir? I'll try. Fake vomit or fake poop? Fake poop. Mystery box or mystery envelope? Mystery box. Stink bombs or itching powder? (laughs) Uh, Stink bombs. Popcorn scented pillow or bacon bandages? Bacon bandages. Cheeseburger backpack or a monkey nail dryer? (laughs) Uh, Cheeseburger backpack. X-ray goggles or an I suffer from erectile dysfunction bumper sticker? (laughs) I have both, but uh, I'll go with the x-ray goggles. Liquid fart spray or real (laughs) shrunken heads? (laughs) Liquid fart spray for sure. A preserved fetal shark or a Donald Trump $100 bill? Oh, my God. Um, I'll go with the the shark. A genuine dead fairy from the forests in England or a a giant Asian hornet (laughs) preserved in lucite? (laughs) I'll go with the hornet. (laughs) A preserved crawfish in a glass jar or an anatomically correct male moose plush doll? (laughs) Oh, definitely the moose doll. That would be hilarious at a trade show. A one-way ticket to hell or a Mr. T Chia pet? (laughs) Mr. T, for sure. A May 2006 issue of Playboy featuring the girls of the top 10 party schools or an orange chair shaped like a big giant hand? Uh, Going with the Playboy, for sure. Let's go food here, Kirby. A Cheeto in the shape of Sasquatch (laughs) or a potato chip in the shape of a heart. It's very rare. Oh, good Lord. Uh, Potato chip. Last one, Kirby. A 5.5-ounce can of unicorn meat (laughs) or a jar of California air. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely would rather have unicorn meat for me. Okay, Kirby, again, that's wrong. There's no such thing as (laughs) unicorns, so therefore they don't produce meat. 
Um, again, I don't understand why you can't get this right, but you know who does get it right, Kirby, all the time? Who, who's that? Though? That'd be the good folks at Skew, and they're rolling out those Skew sessions. They're designed to help you cover your sales from, from attracting and converting new business all the way through customer retention and optimization of those relationships. They're going to be heading out to Dallas, Chicago, Los Angeles, and New York. Learn how you can amp up your sales and up your game and grab your tickets over at CommonSkewSessions.com. And one thing I forgot to remember, we are, or I got to mention, we are on Apple Podcasts if you'd like to subscribe subscribe to this fine podcast through Apple. You can do that by going over to uh, the podcast app on your device and uh, search Promo Corner and you'll see all the podcasts there for your listening pleasure. Kirby, thank you as always for taking the time to do this with me today. A pity the fool. Thank you for listening to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. Unscripted is available every Friday at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry.